Network Radio. This week's show is a journey into consciousness, working through the wonderful trance mediumship of Mick and Sylvie Avery, with wisdom brought through by spirit guide Gregory Hay. To find out more about their work, you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com. Hello, dear friends. Hello. Hello. Greetings, my dear friend Ian. Hello. 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 Hello, little bird. Hello. <laughs> say a very warm welcome to the show, Gregory. It's great to have you back for another broadcast. Yes, thank you so very much for inviting us, my dear friend. I thank you so as a participant, a willing participant, and also as an agent provocateur of the White Cloud Group. Gregory, I've just got a quick question to ask you. Last show was a Tuesday evening, and while we were doing the show, my wife walked in the room, and she never normally walks in while we're doing a show, but she was staring yeah. out the window. Yeah. So we carried on doing the show, and afterwards, I, you know, I said, why, why did you come in? She said, I, she saw some really odd lights up in the sky. So I went out into the garden, and then, lo and behold, about 10 minutes later, directly above us, was the most amazing flashes of light just covering the sky in like really bright white or a tint of blue then it kind of like a swirl to it and we're thinking is that light being projected up into the sky is it lightning but there was no thunder there was no there was no storm it was just really really strange yes my dear friend what you have to realize is that sometimes uh, i would have to call it a climactic anomalies occur. And these are created, there can be such things as lightning on your side of life without any kind of sound, any kind of physical reference, purely and simply because it works upon electromagnetic energy, rather than it being that the electric static as it were, charges across the sky, creating a vacuum, gobbling up the air. That's the sound that you hear uh, as it does that, as it burns it up. The point is that sometimes what can happen is electromagnetic static forces. That means that they're perhaps around the edge of a cloud, or maybe there's not even a cloud presence. But purely and simply in clear air, you may sometimes have charged particles of electromagnetic and static force that create lightning uh, as a form of even a directed point or even just a blanket uh, term of uh, like as though a flash across the sky. I just wonder if it had anything to do with the solar flares because there was... Um... They announced on the 17th of February, Jan January, that um, the sun was releasing M-class flares and they were due to hit our atmosphere on the 19th. Yes, and, and that's quite possible, yeah. Yeah, because when I came in into the house afterwards, I turned the lamp on and I blew the bulb. <laughs> and I felt like I was being charged up. That sounds yes, a bit odd. but that's part of the electrostatic state that I was talking about, you see. Yeah. Uh, the colour that you saw was actually to do with fragments of dust particle that were then fragmented by the various light waves that were uh, uh, shown by the sun at a different point 
upon the horizon, not that you saw it, but that it was really present uh, because it was mirroring it. You see? Cool. Because remember, you, you said to me before that we're going to start seeing strange anom anomalies with our weather. Yes, that is true. Yes. Is that part and parcel of That's the same thing? Yes, all part of it, my dear friend. Uh, other anomalies and associations of this are, in a sense, like, for example, you may look into the sky and though the sun is not present, so it's uh, dusk or beyond dusk, uh, that you would see perhaps strange shapes or even lights as individually defined, maybe even pinpoints or, or almost like they are circles of light, you see? And these can, in fact, be a part of what is happening to do with the various uh, forms of energy coming from the sun in the form of solar flares, as well as this particle situation of uh, detritus being blown uh, to the planet itself. And, of course, what you are now presently experiencing is also uh, various kinds of strange situations where you have a wet weather pattern which comes over your country, stops, and then turns around and goes back again. And it's, it's simply because you have many different pressure points which are both impending them, imploding themselves, pushing, uh, I suppose you could say pushing... Uh, forces of pressure down upon the earth and at the same time in other areas they would be heightening themselves so that you have weather patterns which seem to repeat themselves again and again or actually moving in opposite directions from one day to another hmm. yeah it's very interesting because I, mean, I was quite shocked to see nothing in the papers about it i thought i might at least see something in the papers or the news but no yes. one see it really so yes quite so yeah because I'm, I'm busy. I, Sorry, go on. No, I, I was just really going to say, my dear friend, and of course part of the situation also is because of the intensive state of fluorocarbons in the atmosphere at this present time, uh, which have been building up over so many years. Uh, and this is also having an effect then upon particulates in the outer atmosphere and how they then react to light sources, electrical charges, various other stimuli coming about from uh, moisture content and temperature. Because, of, as you know, dear friend, electrical storms are often generated by changes, rapid changes in temperature and also the polarity of certain clouds or even just an area of uh, air that doesn't have to necessarily have clouds within them. Yeah. I think this week, I think we'll try and um, get on some positive uh, topics. We've done yeah. some really deep, um, you know, much needed topics in the past that probably have um, a bit hard hitting, I guess, really. So I think we'll change the direction in this show at least and some others yes. and get yeah. on to a positive. Absolutely thing. so. Okay, so in the last one, we, we got onto the topic of um, the ley lines. Yes. And um, where I was trying to lead to that as well was trying to get into the how they're connected with us, you know, as a human, with our aura system. You know, we've got an aura, we've got chakras, really. So um, I just want to really hear your viewpoint on how the chakra system works, you know, what, what it is kind of thing, really to help people understand it, how we can open and close it to yeah. um, develop ourselves. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, the situation is, friend, the Shaco system, or rather more importantly, the linear system, which is all over every single being of physical state, that includes all animals, of course, all beings that are uh, expiring, that are bringing in oxygen, air, uh, bringing in and uh, metamorphosing from one form of their young selves into older beings, all have forms of the same ley line energy patterns that the Earth has. So that means to say, if you understand the, the actual metaphysics and the properties within the Earth, you are also understanding yourself and the way that you yourself will respond to various different uh, situations of both balance, harmonics, as well as, as you say, uh, creating energy from the very centers of your being. Now, I have to say the chakra points in itself, uh, within themselves, are in a sense, I suppose, of the higher planes of consciousness, one might say, but in actual fact are as an organic being a central part of both your nervous system, even though they may not be extremely linked with your nervous system, but are actually a part of those properties that enable you to really become either grounded or centralized at certain points. Now, I understand that, for example, if a person was going to be speaking, then they would automatically link this with their throat chakra or however that is perceived within the being. The point is that all of this tends to, however you may link with it, tends to move the being subject away from the principles that much of this is to do with the link with your spirit and also, of course, with others. So oftentimes when people are talking perhaps in a way of inspired speaking in some respect, maybe from inspiration which is direct from the spirit world, does that mean to say it doesn't interact with the chakra of the throat? No, of course not. It means that it's just in a sense a way of enhancing and enlivening this. And this energy point, in a sense, you can treat it as a focus of your physical being to enable you to become uh, completely aligned and within that focus so that you feel in a sense that when you are in that zone that all else around you seems to evaporate almost like you're in uh, wearing a pair of dark glasses that have everything else excluded from it because you feel so complete within that zone memory and connectivity of that higher chakra point. The point I'm trying to make here is that these zones are all in exactly the same way that the earth has various zones and various ways of connecting with them. You will find, for example, that if you are lying down upon a upon a flat surface and you feel weakness in one side, you will be able to also feel and understand that the balance factor between one shoulder and another is actually how you feel out of kilter, not purely and simply that it means that the chakra points of your physical body are not in alignment, but rather that your physical being is in a sense giving you many warning signals because it's trying to, through distress, realign itself. 
And it's part of the reason, I suppose, why uh, so many people become so upset or distressed when they are not in complete and perfect connectivity with their higher self and most sensibly with their ultimate balance, I suppose. So with the various chakra points, um, is it true as an analogy to say that um, if someone is focused too much on materialism, then are they kind of stuck in a certain chakra? Is that like the yellow one or something? Yes, I know what you are saying, the event. I would not actually agree with it. People tend to put too much laity upon uh, the individual power of one thing or another, one energy center or another, making it much too much as though it controls everything of your physical energy. I know of many, many people on the physical side of life and those who have transitioned to our side of life who, when they were on the earth plane, knew absolutely nothing or did not correlate with their chakra points of their physical journey, yet had a perfectly amicable physical journey, uh, were able to connect with various elements of themselves in a very, very loving and positive way. So this means to say that it is not necessary for you to connect with these conditions if you, for example, wish to connect with someone from our side of life. In fact, uh, if for one person in particular uh, that I can immediately think of that comes to mind, uh, Master John Edward, that if he were to give a reading to someone, he doesn't connect to any chakra points whatsoever in order to bring about a reading with spiritual value and deep-seated uh, understanding of his spirit gifts. So what about the opening and closing process? That um, it's, a, it's kind of a common ritual that you can do when you're learning to open up to spirit, is that you open up all of your chakras, um, and then when you're finished, you kind of close them all down. I understand that. Does that help in any way? Well, if, for some people, I would su suggest it is an absolute must because for many people they will have a sense of energy about themselves that means that that is actually a part of their key. The point is, I, I, and I'm not pouring cold water on anything or, or whatever, what you have to realize and what we certainly realize is that every being centers themselves in a certain way to whatever orchestration they believe is right for them and that they feel gives them the key necessary to open their prime communication field that enables that event to purely take place. So I pour no scorn upon anyone that wishes to do that or who wishes to take a piece of coal and, uh, and, and uh, uh, put it on a bowl of soup or something like that. Who knows what a person wants to do? And I, in many respects, there are great intonations where people, when they are most divine and centered, using this method of opening their chakra points to enable them to become at one with the universe is the most blissful and uh, operational positive thing they can ever do within their lives. And I send all of my love to those people who are able to connect in that way to actually feel every single fiber of their being 
is connected with meaning and with emotion and power of the universal life force to connect them in that way. However, there are also many people who do not even begin to do that. And I cannot take anything away from them or make them feel as though they are worth less because they do not, or perhaps because they have tried to learn that way and it simply has failed them. What I have to say to those people is that do not despair. You are not alone people. You are not a people that is worth less than people who uh, use a different way. You just have to understand that your way can be just as beautiful and just as centered. And maybe it's that you just need to look at a picture of a butterfly. Or maybe it's the butterfly in your mind. Maybe it's none of that. Maybe it is just purely that you come to your island of peace and feel as though you are treading upon it in the lightest possible way that enables you to open to the energy of the universe. Okay. So if you're, if you're a spirit coming in and, and viewing the aura and chakra system of a human being, yes. um, if, if you're coming in and, and vis uh, seeing somebody that was, you know, quote, enlightened, if you like, yes. would, would you generally see that all of their chakras are in balance, um, they, 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 you know, spinning, you know, all spinning the right way and all the same kind of right light or balance harmonics and stuff like that, and then compare it to somebody that's not in alignment, would, they, would their system be somewhat dimmed or... I wouldn't say that their system would be dimmed. It would be of a different vibration. In exactly the same way, my dear friend Ian, that a person creates love through emotional events within their lives and with the concert of thought, it enables that thought emotion to transcend the physical state. If one is wanting to look upon a person who is beautifully balanced and in much alignment, Hmm, particularly perhaps, should we say, someone who is meditating on a, in a yogi position or some such thing. We would see a person in complete bliss and harmony as in a Buddhist statue or some such thing. Equally, I would have to say we might find a, a, a person who actually cares less about their life because their worries have dissipated and become still and uh, simply maybe at the end of their life. They have so few worries that they are just enjoying the moment and that pure state of being. They may not have thought one iota of their chakras or how to open them or close them or if they are in balance or in, or in alignment. It may well be that a person perhaps in their later years actually feels just simply that they are pleasured to be alive. And that in itself is good enough. So what would difference would I see? Would I see that person's chakras are not spinning beautifully, all in the right accordant way? Or would I see perhaps that their aura was less vibrant or perhaps a little dull or dusty around the edges? I would see both in a similar way, purely and simply because the person who has lived life connected with it, maybe had hard struggles, maybe not. 
however they have adequately faced with their life, if they have come to a place of peace, calm, and tranquility, and are at one with themselves without comparison, that they have ultimate compassion for everything they do, and connectivity with love of the universe, I would suggest to you that I would see no difference. Mm. So what is enlightenment then? Is, is, is it purely just being in this state of bliss that anyone can attain, really? Yes, yes, and that is why we have always uh, said it and always tried to illuminate to human physical people that enlightenment is not something that's unattainable or that you've got to have hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of physical lives in order to attain. There is no lesser being and no greater being. The point is to me and to you is that you are all equally able and committed to becoming enlightened at some point in your universal nature. How this gravitates to your life is a matter of, in a sense, your choosing. And that doesn't mean to say that a person who uh, comes face to face with their passing, perhaps through some uh, uh, negative intent of someone else is then missed the boat of them finding their little piece of enlightenment or their little island. It may be that they came to it right at the moment of their passing. And it is not for us to say that a child of two days does not attain that balance of enlightenment that they wished to or for me to make a decision upon that child that it was a, a poor child for not having lived its full three score years and ten. Mm. So, so was someone like Gandhi, was he enlightened in a way? I understand, my dear friend, that he had absolute moments of complete and pure bliss that kept him in the state of now and that kept him grounded in his pure beingness. That meant that he adorned the flowers that were around him he spoke to them and he felt that they spoke to him. He uh, talked and listened to the wildlife that was around him, as well as the people's clamorings for this and that pain and hurt they suffered from. And he took it all into his physical state, his conscious reality and his spirit within every breath. So the reason why I ask that is that it's, you know, like it's, it's easy to be enlightened if you can just be in that state of bliss. But when you, I guess if you want to be somebody that, you know, you are in the, the mix of the chaos, you know, there's a lot of things, yeah. a lot of stuff going on. We're, um, we're not all living in a monastery somewhere. So we, we lead very, very busy lives. Can we still lead busy lives and be spiritually active in, you know, having our voices heard and trying to push for change and still yes. trying to keep that balance. That's, that's, that's a real fine line, isn't it? Yes, absolutely so, friend. And I, I um, really, in many respects, don't forget, friend, that people who live in monasteries and have that adorning time within themselves to commit to such uh, uh, elevated thoughts and consciousness are actually fed by the people that and kept by the people in order to carry out that position. Yeah. So in many respects, uh, we would not want to see uh, people in the physical side of life that commit themselves to living off of someone else. 
we would want human beings to actually uh, try to ascribe their life into the best way that they can. I am well aware that people in certain circles would want to feel that their life is of giving to others perhaps some kind of spiritual purity or some such thing as that. And I do not uh, feel that that is a negative stance. However, all beings, as we see it, need to provide a positive uh, circuit, if you like, a positive way forward. They can connect with other life to enable that life and their own life to become enhanced, but not for the purpose of doing that. It's if you, as a physical being, want to enhance someone else's life, the first thing you need to do is to enhance your own. Because then, to begin with, you'll feel better about yourself. And that doesn't mean to say, of course, standing on someone else's shoulders. It is simply that state of giving that you have to find within yourself. So maybe if it is that you are not uh, perhaps uh, relating to human beings, that you relate to the wild or natural world around you. And perhaps that state of giving enables you then to find that purity within yourself to then react differently to human beings. So, I mean, just on the topic of enlightenment as well, there are people that um, I understand can bilocate as well. That there's um, maybe say Baba. Yeah. Um, people often talk about him bilocating or visit visiting, you know, people. Yes, I understand. He he did have that opportunity previously to be able to do that. Right. So I mean, I am not sure that he still has that ability. Yeah. So is that something that you can do if you attain enlightenment? Is that something that just happens within your makeup? Well, I would have to say, my dear friend, that some people are able to then throw away the shackles of negativity and the uh, inordinate consequences of physical life that happen to beings that, in a sense, slow all beings' vibrations to, uh, to uh, sometimes at the detriment of themselves. And that's not to say that all beings will do that, but it is to say that some do. And even those of the most devout and spiritual nature, uh, whether they are clergy or people like Sai Baba or whomsoever it is, they may well succumb to various negative interactions from time to time. That doesn't make them lesser beings. Well, the way I see it, I think there's a, there's a great many people out there working for the light, but we, we're, so easily, we're so easily manipulated. Um, yes. as, as human beings, it's, it's really, really hard to discern. And I think majority of the time people are working with a good intention, but we, you know, it's easy to go off on the wrong track and then you come back again. It's like yes. a, a constant battle, really. Yes, but the point is that you have to understand that it's all right, in a sense, to do that. It doesn't mean to say that it makes you a bad person if you err into some other situation of disarray or whatever. Uh, it's part of the physical life. People sometimes succumb to the natural... Uh, aggravants, if you like, of the physical life. And those kind of, of situations are there to, are they there to make you learn lessons? Well, maybe so, as a physical being, that doesn't make your spirit any more beautiful because it's already beautiful and pure. Does it make you, as a conscious physical being, 
more direct or more beautiful? Well, maybe. If, it, if the lesson is there to be learned and you learn it, then you are wiser, are you not, for having had that passing situation upon you. Basically, I want to move on to orbs as well now. Because, um, yes. you know, in the modern era, an awful lot of people now are capturing orbs on um, digital cameras. Um, and obviously, they, they weren't there before on the older cameras. And, you know, when you look at this, um, some of it you can pass away as dust and stuff like that, but others clearly do seem to be um, spirit origin or, or something or some kind of energy being captured on the camera. That is true. Yeah. So, I mean, some have faces. <laughs> some have like auras around them. And Yes, of course. Yeah. But I mean, is it, is it the advent of modern technology that's capturing this or is there something else that's happening, you know, are we becoming more spiritual and allowing it to happen? Well, part of it, my dear friend, I have to say, isn't necessarily because of the spirituality of a human being. It can happen around dogs, cats. So it's not purely restricted to human beings. The situation generally tends to be, dear friend, that orbs happen purely and simply because it's a, an easier way for spirit communication to set up because it's much easier for a spirit being from our side of life to hold a plasma disc. And actually, uh, in a sense, what they do is they illuminate their faces, their face within the plasma disc to allow you to see them. It's much easier for them to do that because it's small than for uh, them to show themselves, which takes a great deal of energy. And usually it's energy that comes from the person that they're trying to show themselves to. So uh, naturally enough, if a situation develops where there are uh, many orbs in a certain situation, in a, uh, perhaps it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a graveyard or anything so uh, caustic as that. It can be uh, simply a very vibrant place or it may be some other situation or energy which is an enabling that to happen. Maybe a gathering of people that enables it to happen. And purely and simply what happens is that the spirit energy of those various travelers in the physical side of life enable that to take place of uh, others from our side of life to present themselves in the in the shape and and face of orbs it's interesting because you know is it the technology that's doing this is it a spiritual awakening or is it both why is it happening now when it didn't before well as i say in many respects my dear friend what you have to understand is that perhaps 50 years ago the situation was, was much more different uh, it wasn't the fact that you didn't have digital cameras. What it was, was that it was actually easier for beings from our side of life to make their presence felt and, and not just felt, but seen. Purely and simply because there were less of the, uh, the actual electromagnetic uh, devices that you have now in your present day that were present at that time. So it meant there was less pollution in the air to in, uh, and beings on our side of life didn't really know how to interact with the gradual influx then of these further electrical devices and uh, different takes up, take up of the uh, airwaves and uh, the different forms of uh, fragmented, 
impregnated thought that were happening at the time and uh, in the ensuing years simply meant that uh, those on our side of life had to think of some other way in which to magnify themselves that was simpler. And in this respect, uh, I do not take anything away from the fact that there are many more people who are gathering their spiritual state and their energy in that respect. And that takes nothing away from established religions or their identity or faith or whatever. There are, uh, for some faiths, a, a continuing progression in the respect of how many people gather to them, but perhaps for not necessarily all the right reasons. The point, however, is, as I say, I take nothing away from religion or their faiths or, or belief systems. This whole situation then, it really seems to be that human beings are becoming less impressed with the financial value or ethos that has been driven up to now and are trying to seek a more spiritual value nature, which enabling that means that purely and simply because of the atmospherics at work upon the earth at this present time and the deep amount of negativity that all of these light workers and people are on our side of life in a sense of, of our side of the fight of life in respect of both the ether world and on your side of, of the physical state. It, it's like all of these people are coming together and sharing their unique and gifted spirit energy. This can only help for us on our side of life to bring ourselves through and enable this situation to happen. Well, it's, it's truly wonderful. I mean, I've seen a lot of orbs on, on camera, but I've never really seen one in real life. Um, but then literally three weeks ago on New Year's Eve, I saw the most wonderful orb actually appear in physical reality. Yeah. And not just me, but my wife see it too. We both see it, the same orb. And then yes. last week I saw a, a, an orange orb it seems to be orange but yes so i don't know if, <laughs> why i'm starting to see them all of a sudden but very interesting but it's part of your gifts of spirit too for both of you you see yeah yeah it's great I mean, a lot of people get comfort from orbs and um you know my father-in-law in particular he takes pictures of orbs all day long he's got thousands of pictures of orbs yes, and yes. Um, it, it brings great comfort to those people to know that they are actually spiritual beings in those pictures. Yes, absolutely so. That's the point, really. They are not just ancestors. There are many beings from all kinds of walks of life, sometimes beings that have not had physical life. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Okay, um, so basically what I wanted to talk about now is the, um, is we, we touched on near-death experience last week. Yes. Um, and, you know, the, the, the feelings that people get. And, uh, quite often when people go through this process, they go through a tunnel um, and then they're often met by relatives on the other side um, or a spiritual avatar of some description, normally yes. cl close to what their religious um, beliefs are. Um, and then they're kind of taken through a very quick life review um, and they get a kind of a feeling of you know what kind of life they've led up to that point and some come back and it completely transforms them you know yeah. they, they may have had a life review that wasn't so good you know because they, they sort of say that um they kind of feel see and experience everything that they've done um not just from their viewpoint but also from the people they interact with as well of course yes that's the whole point really my dear friend of them having glimpses into their akashic book to enable them to really understand 
because it's a, a holographic book and it comes from all angles of perceptual understanding yeah. of, or interaction at the time, which is why it is, dear friend, that no one can actually get away with anything in the physical side of life. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yeah. And I guess there's some, some souls who don't want to go back uh, into spirit because they know that once they get there, they've got to face up to the real facts or what they've really Done. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So I completely uh, concur with that, dear friend. And, and in actual fact, uh, for many beings, it's part of the reason, I suppose, why it is that for some, they absolutely uh, are in fear and dread of it. I, I would have to say as well, for many, it may be that it is something which turns on the other foot, for example, someone who is perhaps who perhaps was abused during their childhood. And oftentimes it can be for those who were so abused that uh, situations can be that they're actually in fear of their lives, of how they may have to be forced to meet with their abuser or something like that once they have passed to our side of life. But, but I guess it gives people an opportunity through the near-death experience to kind of change course in their life and I wonder you know was the, I don't know how to say this but if they're given an opportunity through near death is that kind of a random event or was it was that milestone was given to them as a gift as an opportunity to say look hey you got one more chance come on sort it out you know get back on track kind of thing well my dear say friend I, I would have to be very careful to 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 agree that Purely and simply because that's like saying that the spirit world then cause or create near-death experiences in order to chivy someone along into having a better uh, uh, process of their physical life rather than lapsing into their, uh, their ice cream melody yeah. of uh, uh, negativity or something. Yeah. I think I see a really good um, documentary once where the, I think this guy was a boss, you know, the, the bad boss who was just very nasty to people and everything and everyone feared him and stuff. And then his, his near-death experience kind of took him to an image of what hell might be like and and obviously came back absolutely petrified, you know, but that was going to be his hell, really, and was able to turn his life around completely and become a better person. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And others who actually have that experience may even feel that that's their lot and that so that they, they just continuously then uh, misbehave and do even worse things because they feel that that's where they're going to go anyway. Yeah. Um, so it depends entirely upon the mindset of the individual and how that person wants to take upon themselves the expression of what they've seen or what they've uh, been taken through. And it's, I, I understand, my dear friend, that uh, there are many mixed emotions within this. And for many people as well, of course, they're taken through the journey of this by their doorkeeper, uh, who is always um, uh, in touch with them in that respect. Uh, the actual near-death experience itself is oftentimes accelerated by various chemical and neurological pathways which are triggered by the a biological event of what the physical being is going through at the time. So, so how, how detailed is that? I mean, is it, is it like um, when you have an near-death experience, is it a much quicker process than if you actually pass? And so is it always a given that you go through that process? No, I would not say that that is the case. 
Absolutely always, my dear friend. For example, there are oftentimes situations where people pass and it's such an event which happens so quickly that even the physical being itself goes on thinking that it's alive when it isn't. Uh, maybe because it's been decapitated, like me, for example. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't actually feel anything. The first thing I, the, the only thing I did feel was my right hand becoming decapitated from my body because I wasn't dead at that point. Hmm. But once I had passed, it was immediate that I just felt nothing else. I was still, however, surprised that I could still see. Yeah. That's, in fact, you raise a very interesting topic discussion there because uh, when people are thrown into a violent situation you know sometimes quite sad young children um very nice lovely people are thrown into horrific uh things and they yeah. they have horrendous deaths um yeah. do they ever feel the pain or are they kind of does the soul leave before any of that really bad stuff happens the spirit oftentimes becomes separated the etheric bead actually leaves before the the actual uh, event of physical death. Uh, that's the point. And it, it's something really that we try to point out to everyone uh, on your side of life. The very fact of what you see, uh, that it becomes ingrained within the mind of the experience that you witness of someone, a loved one in particular, passing f to our side of life, uh, the manner of that causes their passing are just transitory memories. And they're only really kept with uh, the spirit once they have passed. So for matters of recall, so for matters of the glimpses of the situation that they felt maybe at the point of their passing or that led up to it, but not necessarily all of everything that happened to it. I know that many... Uh, I suppose the experiences I'm trying to relay here to you are that those of many people, clairvoyance and uh, clairsentience and um, that kind of situation where people would say, well, yes, I feel here that a person passed with uh, uh, strangulation or something like that or asphyxiation. They were drowning and all of that. And you would think, well, horror of horrors. Why would, why would uh, that person still have that as such a, a vivid conscious memory? The reason for it is even though they may not have actually been still attached as their conscious memory with their spirit, it was still a part of the location of memory that their spirit contains, purely and simply as a method of recall and remembrance of how they parted from the physical journey. It doesn't mean to say it makes them uh, uh, captured or something by the astral plane or, or that they haven't managed to go beyond the astral plane and carry on then with their journey of spirit ease in the ether world. It's not to do with that at all. It's just purely a recall mechanism and it's not meant for human physical beings to then relay it as though they're still suffering from it. Yeah. I mean, we spoke in a, in a previous show about the virtual reality analogy that um, you know, we, we project our focus into to these bodies, like you know, um, but we're not really here, if you know what I mean, right? Yes. But we, we know, we we are experiencing it, but it's a focus 
you know in this physical reality so this is kind of a weird deep question but so that means that I'm also there with you I'm not just you here are, yes you are also there with your spirit because your spirit is always in the ether world it never comes to the physical side of life it's only there in proximity by the etheric bead that is connected to your solar plexus yeah so if if I'm there is that being part of you or is it separate from you do you see where I'm going it's part of me my dear friend it's part of you it's part that's okay so it's part of me yes okay, so, spirit. yes because I, I know there's the energy that we're all one anyway but so, but, so it, it's separate there so does that version of me there is it doing something or is it in a state of suspended animation or is it doing stuff all the time being busy so it's, it's not really in a state of suspended animation it's in a state of doing other things the, the matter of whether you attract to that or whether you are in connectivity with it for some people they will try all of their lives to connect with their spirit and fail to do so purely and simply because they're trying rather than just letting go of the conscious physical reality so in other words if you connect with your spirit in the most sacred way you are able rather than however having within your mind I want to give to this experience but I want to connect with this and keep thinking about that will not attract for you to connect with your beautiful pure spirit so therefore it's like your spirit consciousness is maybe doing something else maybe not maybe it's just waiting for you to connect with you that would enable this absolute state of bliss and complete enlightenment and beautiful state that would transcend all physical journey that would be the situation that comes upon you it may only be for brief glimpses for brief little journeys into that state of reality but I have to say though friend oftentimes if you are journeying in the ether world at times of your dream state sleeping or whatever it is then these are also going to be times when you connect with your beautiful pure spirit and in fact just leave your physical body completely as a husk yeah so this leads me to a question is that are you Mick who's channeling you or are you separate from him too no I am completely separate although I am from the same soul group okay so so if you if you guys it's a little bird Sylvie and Mick and you have you been sort of on a journey for a long long time in terms of earth years we had met one another prior to uh, the states of life yeah so it had meant that in many respects I had spoken to and been a part of our friend the instruments life although he did never recalled it and um, sadly and I was also a part of Little Bird's life and she mine and that meant that in many respects I, I suppose you could say because they were all because we were already a part of the group doesn't didn't necessarily mean to say that it was something that was immediate upon them being born or immediate upon their physical life it wasn't action straight away purely and simply because they had to have their physical life 
Yeah, but it, was it something that you 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 set out to do? It was like a a plan, if you like. It was a kind of a plan in that we hoped that both would come into the right situation where they met one another and where their joint uh, reasoning and their joint, uh, I suppose, purpose, sense of purpose, would bring them together as complete friends. And that form of unity would then enable the unity to carry on within the group. Yeah. So was there any risk at any time that they may not have come together? Of course, yes. Absolutely so, yes. Uh, nothing is written in stone. Not ever. Yeah. So would there, would there have been a plan B or that would just that uh, communion wouldn't have happened and therefore you wouldn't have come through with the messages that you give? That is true. No yeah. plan B. Yeah. So where's Mick now? I mean, obviously, he's, he fully goes out. He goes into deep trance. Yes, yes, quite so. Uh, uh, he is actually at uh, uh, in the city of Oslo, I understand, sitting on a step. <laughs> uh, I understand it's uh, of uh, a place called Bremer Street or right. Bremersfragen, something like that. Uh, but I understand that uh, the situation is, it's, well, it's of a writing that I have not seen previously, uh, the situation is that uh, the step itself is icy and has a great deal of snow upon it. His bottom and his, uh, uh, his legs and everything else are making no impression upon the surface. I see. He's, is he like in an astral version of that? Yes, that's right. Okay. So is, it, is he aware? You know, because when he comes back, he doesn't always remember, does he? But is it why he's sitting there? Is he aware? I uh, I really do not know at this present time because I cannot be too much into the conscious state of the conscious mind of his actuality. It's that would be interfering. In actual fact, the the state, the true state of it is, friend. I have never actually looked face to face in that respect that he has seen me. Right. Okay. Okay. So we have always been, I understand the closest we have ever come to that had been that he saw the back of my head once. Right. And that was purely and simply because we used to use a staircase. And he used to, we used to pass one another upon the staircase. Okay. So at the moment you have full control of Mick in the same way that he would have control of himself. Well, only the upper body, my dear friend. We don't bother with the lower part. No. Sometimes we have to exert pressure in one leg or another in order to uh, move it slightly, or perhaps it's become entangled in something, or, or perhaps uh, some other occurrence has been created. But, uh, of course, this has nothing to do with the, uh, with the motability of the physical being. That's continues as a biological being. So does Mick have his eyes open or closed when, when he does this? No, my dear friend, deep trance will always be closed uh, completely. Yeah. So, and so if, if the eyelids were lifted, uh, there would be no one home. Got you. Okay. So with our body experience, um, obviously we, we, when um, 
you know, you, I think we go out of body when we sleep, but sometimes we can be thrown out of the body, and then we we kind of see a reality that's very similar to the physical reality, but the colours seem to be a bit more dimmed, and there's something slightly offset about it. Um, yeah. But I've, I've read somewhere that it can be quite dangerous because there's lots of beings just lurking around, and if you don't really know what you're doing, it can be quite... Yes, yes, that is true. I, the other thing uh, that, that I would say, my dear friend, about the outer body experience is that, in actual fact, it traverses time. So the process of one and one uh, simply doesn't exist. That's part of the reason why you have uh, uh, experience in a sort of a jerky kind of movement situation, scenario that happens to a physical being who is having a present out-of-body experience, and particularly in purposeful journeying. I understand that the most difficult thing to achieve is actually going through a solid wall. You mean because it's very off-putting? Yes, quite so. It can be quite frightening to yeah. a physical being, yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Out uh, hmm. of the mind, you see? So basically, that, that is the spirit... That is okay. your carbon copy of you, yes. the spirit portion, yes. leaving the body, isn't it? Yes, yes, along with your consciousness. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And then and there's the analogy of a silver cord as well. Yes, and that is the etheric bead, which is continually connected. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean this, is all, this sounds crazy, but who designed all this? I mean, this is, it, you know, is it God as such as we, as we use the word or was there another more intelligent being that set this whole scenario because we, we know the dynamics of our universe from a physical standpoint but who set up the concepts of having a, an etheric bead and yes well I, I suppose because of the fact my dear friend at the very beginning uh, when the creation of life first uh, in a sense began separating that means all of the cells of the creation of life began moving apart not to diminish one another, but because they wanted their separate journey. And that, in a sense, uh, was the beginning of the whole process. But it, it didn't mean to say that any beings at that time became material stuff. It, that's a process of the whole evolution of uh, the process of, I suppose, the dimension of three-dimensional state, whichever dimension of three-dimensional state that happens to be in. And there are many of those. So, for example, as when you are having your own physical presence experience, there are other dimensions where the similar presence experiences are going on as well. So I suppose in that respect, uh, one can say that there were other universes that were present before your present universe. And that this then has been something which has happened over just not even a process of time. I cannot even say that it's over a process of billions of years because it is uh, infinite. Yeah. Infinite time means infinite. It's not a process of one and one linear time field that you can understand and access. That's, I suppose, part of the very difficulty that we have from our side of life to really truthfully describe what the creation of life is. Yeah. It's why I suppose that for human beings and for human beings' sake, that many have derived its purpose of having God as in human likeness, because it was 
actually impossible for the limitations of the mind to accept anything out. Yeah, I don't even know how to say this, but you know, we think of God, right? It's, it's been grained into us through religion, but you know, but now through spirituality, a lot more people are seeing it as more of a kind of a neutral energy that permeates everything. Yes. Right? Um, so I guess the question I'm asking are certain universes or certain experiences set up by this energy or there are there intelligent beings i guess that have set up certain scenarios or certain universes but you might class as god but they're just a an intelligence that sets something up that is true too i would not say it's true for the universe in which you find yourselves my dear friend i would say that this is true for some parts of it. Yeah. It's not for all of it. And in much, much respect, there have been many beings who have tried to grapple with this. And in all respects, I can only say that it's, I suppose, a measure of how a human being or any being can accept itself as a part of that true purpose not to do with your behavior because that is something of a moralistic code or instinctive practice, but rather to do with how you yourself represent, react to forces or situations that come to you. In other words, if you look at a leaf, a simple thing like a leaf on a tree and you see a uh, that uh, there is a pattern of supreme quality and that can only be described as forms of pure energy which enabled that to come together. That is the realization, I suppose, of what you might ascribe God to be. That means uh, whether it was a continual mutation through variation of collections of cells that gradually formed genetics to maintain a nucleus event that enabled it to present itself in a certain way. That's a species. And then it became something else. And then it mutated to something else purely because of the chemical division that happened in that event. That doesn't mean to say it's a lesser being. And part of the process of all conscious beings, whether they are four paws and covered in fur or hoofed, or whether they are cloven, or whether they are beings who fly or swim, all mean to say that they all have a purposeful consciousness, which if they have that ability, enables them to understand more than the process of one and one. Or even the process of one and one means to say that they can take fight or flight, that they can make decisions, and therefore their spirit is has to be a part of that divine purpose. And exactly the same way that all leaves, flowers, shrubs, trees, the air that you breathe, the microbes within it. It's amazing. I mean, it's very hard for us on this type of, uh, side of life to comprehend just how awesome and amazing that the, this God energy is. And yeah. we just have to surrender to it because there's just no way of really 
uh, fathoming it out. I mean, I, do you have the same feeling on your side, life? It, Oh, absolutely so, my dear friend. When we go to places like the halls of learning, we see and interact with beings as small as a dot on your face. And yet they can create books of alignment and understanding of prismic beauty, of love and energy of a kind that human beings can only dream of purely and simply because they come from a different aspect of consciousness. Their book may become alive with the adoration and the, the, uh, the complete clarity of universal law of thinking. It's only because of the presence of human consciousness that human beings feel uh, affable to uh, and enabling for other human or other physical life rather to just simply exist at their um, behavior rather than it being that they are all a part of the same cosmic force. And this is something that becomes absolutely true to state of purpose when people come to our side of life, visit the halls of learning and just gasp in wonder at the beautiful books and the animated sequences which come out because the spirit of the being within the book is alive and well. It's just staggering, isn't it? Absolutely staggering. See, I get the same wonder when I see <laughs> fish <laughs> in the ocean, when you see the diversity of all the colours yep. and, the, you know, they, they're like, if you want to see what aliens look like, you know, we've got a whole ocean of aliens, you know. Just... Yeah, absolutely so. Absolutely so. And they're all thinking and they're all uh, understanding. They're moving with one another in harmonic, in absolute perfect harmonic. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, that's a wonderful uh, way to end the show anyway, because we're kind of hitting on the hour now. So thank you again for um, touching on some really good subjects. Well, thank you so, my dear friend, Ian. Thank you so with love and light to everyone. God bless upon your journey. God bless upon you. God bless. Thank you very much. If you would like to book your own personal reading with Gregory to find out about your own soul journey, then please visit the graphic banner underneath the show or visit www.spirit-teaching.com. <laughs>